We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Day podcast. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. My name is Dan Connick, and joining me today to talk about uh, another harrowing Green Bay Packers victory. It's my two partners here back together finally, the whole crew after several weeks that we've just like through weird scheduling and everything else that we've just not been able to get the, the trio back together here and the forces combine finally again this week to talk about this win over the Bengals. It's Janelle Mackey and Eli Bergovitz. Guys, how are you doing? How are you recovering after Sunday's game? Yeah, I mean, luckily it, it was finally a noon game, which I really appreciate because then I had the whole rest of the day to just comprehend and relax from what had happened and enjoy the rest of football for the day, you know, get the stressful win out of the way. And I am exhausted because Dan, you said staying up last night to watch the game, even though it was delayed, was tomorrow Janelle's problem. Well, tomorrow Janelle is exhausted now and she's hitting her wall as we record this. So I am ready to get this done, go shower and go to bed like an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow, Dan, well, yesterday, Dan decided tomorrow, Dan, didn't need to stay up and watch the last quarter of that beatdown from the Buffalo Bills. So thank you, at least to the Bills, for making it a runaway at yep. the end there. But Eli, how are you hanging in after uh, after Sunday? I am I am doing good. I mean, much like the both of you, I think we're all still like coming down from that game. Um, adrenaline highs and lows and I mean, honestly, just exhaustion. Like, I don't know the last time we've had a game, you know, go just that up and down, that back and forth into overtime, talking about nearly five quarters of football that was just, you know, tooth and nail back and forth the whole way. And while it was obviously exciting, it, yeah, I mean, it drained me for for at least the next couple weeks. So we, we need a nice, easy win next week because I don't know, if I can handle much more, you know, Mason Crosby heroism, even though I love seeing it, 
I think we could take a couple weeks off from needing uh, that kind of a win. Well, in this game, it it definitely gave me, what was it 2018 Vikings-Packers vibes? I don't remember what week yeah. it was. It was early September. Oh, yeah. And I know Matt and I, back when Matt and I were just a duo, we had to put out an episode after that time. We called it Tie Tuesday. So I'm really glad that we're not having Tie Tuesday Part 2 coming out. Because <laughs> yeah, nothing worth talking worse. about a tie. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, there was a certain point in the, in the, at the like after the second or third missed field goal in that game. I'm like, at this point, just get the ball and run the clock out and just be done with it because I don't. <laughs> I don't want any more. I don't want any more of these drama filled missed kicks like this. I just want it to end. I just <laughs> want the sweet release of death at this point. I was so. I was so emotionally drained after that game. Oh yeah, what a day. At least, you know, it's nice to come out of a game like that with a win. I really yeah. – I'm glad that Mason Crosby was able to kick the game winner so he doesn't have to sit on that that game. I mean, he'll probably think about it, but, you know, being able to make one going into this week instead of, you know, them not going forward on fourth down and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well – I, I don't really know where I stand right now. And then, you know, maybe he has a rough game against the Bears. So I was really glad to see him go out there and finally nail that one. And it sounds like just from what I've heard in uh, pressers and stuff like that, it sounded like he wasn't, he wasn't flinching. He was ready to go. And that's just the Mason Crosby way. So it was awesome to see him go out there and the way his teammates had his back and the coaching staff. And truthfully, Packers Twitter, I had somebody ask me today, you know, what was it like on Twitter with all the Mason Crosby stuff? And I was like, I saw absolutely no negativity. Mason Crosby is like the golden boy in the Packers organization who can do no wrong because he's done so much for this team where people, they don't even want to badmouth him. There, there, there is no forgiveness like Mason Crosby missing a field goal forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Sorry. sorry, I was just going to say that I was actually personally surprised that, I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised, but I was, you know, it was refreshing to see, like Jen said, Packers Twitter and Packer fans not turning on Mason Crosby after, yes, some bad missed kicks. But there was never a moment that at least nothing that I saw that was, you know, get him off the field. We're done with Crosby, you know, washed up this. I mean, we all know how good Mason Crosby is. No one's perfect. Every kicker has an off day, a weird game. A lot of it is mental. And it was, like Jen said, I think really, really important for Crosby's confidence moving forward for that game to end with him hitting a field goal as opposed to even a, even a touchdown for the Packers or obviously a tie. But specifically for him to hit a field goal and to, and to really drill it right down the middle, you know, I think that's really going to put a lot of our worries to bed about Mason Crosby going forward. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I saw a lot of I saw a lot more people on Twitter and social media saying like the whole like uh, oh we now we're seeing fans badmouth Mason Crosby I don't want to hear it you know people like defending him but I'm like looking through my whole feed and I'm with you guys I didn't see anybody like badmouthing Mason Crosby I think there's I think there's some more there's there's more behind that uh, game from Mason Crosby than just Mason Crosby I think we'll get into it more as we dive into the episode here. Uh, but since it is a Tuesday episode with us, we're going to play a little stock up and stock down. Um, 
I think this is the first time that we've done this uh, stock up, stock down report where I think there was plenty to do. There was plenty on both sides <laughs> for this one. Like right. in, the past, in the past, it was, it was either a heck of a lot of stock down or a lot of, they were hard to find uh, some people to fault. And I think today after Sunday, we got a little, we got a nice mix of, uh, of both, which I guess makes it a little bit easier for us. I would much rather just prefer to do the, try to try really hard to find negatives each time. Yeah. Um, is this Eli's first game of stock up, stock down with us? I was going to say. I don't yeah, know I believe it is. together this season. We haven't I can't, I can't remember yet. if Eli, Eli, were you, because we did it after the, the Saints game, and then we did it after... 49ers. 40, oh, that was you You guys did that one, right? No. Because I think you and I did that one, didn't we? No, because I was a... Uh, oh, no, you're right. That's right. That's right. We did do that. <laughs> we did do the 49ers because that was two weeks... Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this would be the first. All right. Welcome, Eli. All right. Well, yeah, Eli, would, you like, would you like? Would you like to Christmas us here my... with the with the first stock up, the first first candidate for stock up? Uh, yeah, I would love to. I'm uh, very appreciative of this honor, and also, yeah, I know that this is, I think, my first episode during the season, and I don't anticipate missing any more going forward. So I'm looking forward to being here every other week um but uh the first stock up i mean it might it might just be easy but i just have to continue to talk about devondre campbell and how just unbelievably good he's been and how important he's been to the packers defense that he's just all over the field sideline to sideline making plays against the run making plays against the pass he has two interception interceptions this year i believe that leads the team he's i mean just just in almost every category, not only leading the Packers, but amongst the leaders mm-hmm. at the linebacker position across the NFL. And he's really been, I mean, for years and years and years, he said, you know, we need a middle linebacker. We need a middle linebacker. And every draft went by and we didn't address it. Every free agency went by. We didn't really address it. You know, yeah, we brought in Kirksey mm-hmm. last year. Didn't really work out. And you could say, you know, on the surface that Campbell was kind of like a Kirksey signing. But obviously, the results have been very different. And Campbell has been, I mean, just everything and more than we ever could have hoped for. Yeah, I mean, he every week, every time I do a show on whatever platform it is, it's always Vondra Campbell getting talked about with how much, you know, each week that goes on, he's just getting better and better and better. And I mean, he had that pick in overtime, you know, it was just a gift from Burrow, unfortunately not being able to capitalize mm-hmm. on there. He's making the plays and he he's just a menace out there right now. And I can't believe, you know, I think Rod, it was Rogers who said, I don't know how he was on the streets and we were able to pick him up. You know, it's, it's crazy how quiet the conversations about him were in the off season. And now it's like, who is this guy? I can't believe that we were able to just find him the way that we did. And, the way that he's been exploding on that defense, it's it's what this defense has needed for a long time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was going to say, Zvonder Gamble was on my list too, and I'm glad Eli brought him up because mm-hmm. he's, he's been the unsung hero the last several weeks. And like you said, Janelle, it's crazy that a guy that's playing at this level and having such an impact on this defense was not like not talked about at all. I, I, we've said it before, but it just—it's still—it's still crazy to me that 
nobody, like the me- local media, none of us really, I felt like were talking that like that much about Devondre Campbell. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a Smith brothers level signing, you know, people kind of like what Eli said, it kind of felt more like a Christian Kirksey vibe again, but man, you like, you just can't underrate what Devondre Campbell has, has done. The only thing I will say Devondre next time, just run it into the, get it into the end zone. Right. (laughs) Just forget forget all the other stuff and just get us in the end zone and, and be done with it. It would make, make the job a lot, a lot easier. Um, Janelle, your first stock up. My first one is going to go to the new pass catcher for the Packers, A.J. Dillon, receiving his first uh, touchdown reception from Aaron Rodgers. I think just seeing him get involved more in that side of the game, it's making him more of a dual threat. You know, we saw Aaron Jones uh, on the earlier side of his career start to develop that, and we've seen how, how much of a threat he can be, and seeing A.J. Dillon kind of work his way into that role as well. I really, really like seeing that from him because, yeah, he he's a freight train on the line, but to also be able to rely on throwing him the ball out there like that, I think it just, you know, it expands your weapons for Aaron Rodgers, and it makes it harder for other teams to figure out, you know, what you're going to do on offense when you have all these tools in your toolbox. Yeah, no, completely, and I think I think the biggest thing is, like you said there at the end, the ability, the ability for him to catch passes out of the out of the backfield like that, just increases the the flexibility of this offense like tenfold. You know, mm-hmm. because when it was Jamal Williams back there, he's a he's a literal pass catcher. Like that's he's almost a wide receiver at that point. Yeah, and. Aaron Jones is 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 really was really your only dual threat back there, and now AJ Dillon. If AJ Dillon even just becomes even just the idea of him becoming a pass catcher out of the backfield changes the whole makeup of that offense. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah. So I heard you talking and kind of comparing him to Jamal, but like you said, I mean, Jamal really was almost like a receiver. Then you get AJ Dillon the ball, and then those running back instincts kick in. And also just his freakish size. And, you know, I mean, you get him the ball in space and he's already able to pick up some speed and he's going up against defensive backs as opposed to defensive tackles. It's going to be nearly impossible for teams to tackle him. I mean, they're going to need three, four, five guys to try to bring him down because there's no way if he catches the ball on a screen in space, you know, you're going to have one safety kind of he's just too big and too strong so I love the Packers getting him more involved in the passing game for sure well and I think with that his stock automatically has to go up simply because of his tweet afterwards when he said I'm going to tell my grandchildren I was Devontae Adams or like this was Devontae (laughs) Adams I was Devontae Adams like I can just see him you know 40 years from now living in Door County telling his grandchildren about how he was a pass catcher like Devontae Adams. It's just, you know, he's got that humor that goes along with it, and the humor automatically has to bump your stock up when you've got a personality like that. He's sitting there in the, the <laughs> mayor's mansion in yep. County. Yeah. <laughs> well, by then, it, by then it'll probably be called, like, Door Dillon or something. It won't even be Door County anymore. Dillon County? Dillon County. Oh, that's Ooh, good, too. That's good. Hashtag Dillon County. Get it trending on Twitter, everybody. 
Make shirts, make merch. You heard it here first on Packaday. <laughs> oh, this is oh, this got the wheels turning. All right. Um, speaking of Devontae Adams, I'm gonna go the obvious route for my first stock up, and it's Devontae Adams. Like, how can you not have the game that he had on Sunday and stock not go up? You know what I mean? Right. Like just just an out like outstanding game. And that's the thing is it's crazy that the last couple of weeks he's been the main target. You know, like mm-hmm. he's been the guy and teams know that teams know that Devontae Adams is the main guy. Now they keep double bracketing him. They, they cover him with the safety up top and he's still having games like this. It, it's, it's crazy. And it's not, it's not being forced. I feel like, you know, um, Maybe, 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 maybe it is, and I'm, I'm kind of missing. It's just working, but it doesn't feel like. Remember the Bucks game a couple of years ago, the Chargers game before that, where they were. It was obvious they were trying to force stuff to Devontae Adams, and it wasn't working. This feels like it's just part of the offense now. You know, like this is just it's working. It's it's there because Devontae Adams is the wide open receiver or the the guy that's getting himself open now, you know? So it's it's awesome to watch this offense work the way it does, and it's fanta- even better when it's working in a way where Devontae Adams, your number one option, can be that wide open and just be an absolute game-breaker like he is. Yeah, and I mean, realistically, there was only the one, the 50-50 ball Rodgers threw where, you know, Bengals picked it right. off. That was the only time where it really looked like Devontae was being covered. Every other ball, it, it looked too easy. And I, I know that kind of going into this game, I didn't have a lot of fear against this Bengals um, DB group, but he embarrassed them with the way he played. A record, career high, 206 yards. I think going into the half, he, on six receptions, had over a hundred uh, clearly over a hundred yards and had already had the touchdown. So it was just, you know, even in that first half, it was an incredible day for Devante. And yeah, just to see how open he is, he makes it look so easy. And like, it's, it's embarrassing to the, the DB group where it's like, who's got this guy. And it doesn't even matter who you throw on him because he's going to make you look like a fool. And I am ready for the Packers to throw all the money at him because you're not going to get another guy like that in this lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Devonte Adams is not, you're not just going to be finding another one of him in the draft or in free agency. He is, I mean, like you both said, everyone in the world knows where Aaron Rodgers is looking and it simply does not matter. I mean, 16 targets, uh, 12, well, it was 12 receptions, I believe. Yeah, six, no, 11, I'm sorry, 16 targets, 11 receptions, 206 yards and a touchdown. I mean, it's just, it's in, in a way, it's almost like scary because it's like Devontae Adams and then just a major drop-off, not necessarily in talent, but just in the amount of targets and production you've seen from other pass catchers. But if people can't stop it, don't stop doing it. And right now, no one can stop it. Devontae Adams... Playing single coverage, you know you're going to get beat. You even, but now even doubling him, and he's seeing plenty of double coverage. He is still beating it. Rodgers is finding ways to get him the ball, and I think some of the most interesting plays to me from Sunday 
where when you would see Rodgers, it was usually off play action, and it would hit Devontae on that slant route. It probably happened three or four times throughout the game. And a lot of times that's, you know, you play action, one step, boom, balls out of your hand. But there were times where Devontae had a clear through traffic in the middle of the field, and that's when you'll see timing between a quarterback and receiver be off a little bit. And a lot of times, you know, that's when the ball will come in behind a receiver on a slant, and that could either lead to an incompletion or sometimes even an interception, depending on how tight the coverage is. And I was just so impressed that even when things weren't necessarily perfectly on timing, Rodgers and Adams were always able to connect on those slant routes, which are very much timing routes. And the timing wasn't always there, but they still managed to hit it. And then, I mean, just that uh, in the fourth quarter, the 59-yard bomb to Adams, just it was just simply a fly route, just go deep. But the way he was able to just burn through double coverage, Rodgers dropping in over the top in perfection, and again, much like the Devondre Campbell interception, not really able to capitalize, being forced to take a field goal, not something you want to see, especially considering how amazing, I mean, historically amazing, the Packers were in the red zone last year at scoring touchdowns, and most of this year as well. But obviously Sunday, it was not their best showing in the red zone. I expect that to change, um, you know, and them for them to improve as the season goes on. But, yeah, I mean, Dan. Yeah, the the catch for Devontae Adams, that, that long 57-yard bomb you're talking about, just like 15, 20 yards deep into the route, and he does that little pony kick and just yeah. freezes freezes him for a hot second, and then he's gone. Like, you can't – there's no way to stop it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing to watch a guy play his position like that. A guy, you know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback. It's amazing to watch the quarterback version of – the wide receiver, or, uh, the Aaron Rodgers version of the wide receiver, do the same thing. You know, yeah. um, I only have one other stock up in my list because I said I had Devondre Campbell listed in mine, um, and I was just going to say Aaron Jones because finally breaking 100 yards rushing on uh, on the season for a game, and I think I'm just going to give it to the whole rushing offense for for the Packers. It didn't even With- feel like Jones had that big of a day, which is what was surprising afterwards, seeing that he had reached 100 yards. I was like, I don't even remember him being that involved, which is crazy because, I mean, I think that game was just so overshadowed with the kicking that people forget everything else that happened that game. Well, and it wasn't like outside of of that huge run at the end of the game, there was, I think he had, I think on the very first play, he had maybe like a a 15, 10-yard run around the right side. But then other than that, it was a lot of three-yard, four-yard stuff. It wasn't like there was anything busting wide open. But the idea of not abandoning it over there was, a, you could argue at the end there, I think maybe they they did. They ran when maybe they shouldn't have. But neither here nor there. Um, but the way, but just trusting this offensive line, a line that's banged up, has a lot of younger guys in there, guys that are moving around the offensive line, to trust them to handle that running load and and really establish that run early on, I think was fantastic to see out of this offense, like I said, especially with that offensive line that they have. Yeah, I, I mean, in my opinion, and I say it 
every week on open book, or should I say every week, I, I can make, I make it there. But again, going forward, <laughs> that should be every week. But um, I've said on open book, I've said it here and I'll say it again. We all know, you know, Aaron Rodgers, especially like myself, I don't think, you know, you'll find many bigger fans of Aaron Rodgers than me, but this team, when they're at their best, it's when they're working off the run game. When Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon or in the past, Jamal Williams, are, they're the ones dictating the way the game is going to go. And then you get the play action and you get the defense to start worrying about the run. And that's when it's game over. Because if you're a defense against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and you have to play close to the line because you know there's a good run game going across from you, there's no way you're going to be able to stop Rodgers and Adams. Because Rodgers can go to the line, and even if it's a run call, we all know Rodgers has no problem checking out of that call, going to a pass, and he's going to hit Devontae or anyone else if that defense has to worry about the run, which is why, in my opinion, the Packers, unless they are simply forced to throw the ball, as in they're in a position where they're trailing by so much they cannot run it, they should be running it and just committing to the run as much as possible because when the run game is effective, they're simply unstoppable. I don't know the exact stats, and maybe I'll look it up a little bit later and and get back to you guys and maybe put it on Twitter, but I am willing to put a lot of money down that when the Packers have 100-plus rushing yards in the Matt LaFleur era, their record has to be phenomenal because when you see that run game be effective, that's when it opens up every other part of the offense. So, like you said, Dan, the whole rushing game as as a whole I thought was great. I mean, to start the game, I mean, Jen, I think you even tweeted it, that it was going to be an Aaron Jones type of game because he, he looked really good out, out the gate, and they kind of got away from that. And, again, I don't know if that's play calling or Aaron Rodgers checking out of certain calls, but if the Packers are winning, tied, or within a possession or two, and, and it's still relatively early in a game, I don't think they should ever just go away from the run. I think it's just so important. They're so talented there. There's simply no reason to get away from it, and it's only going to help you in the passing game moving on it, you throughout the game. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think um, just kind of transitioning from that, you kind of talking about the run game and um, just before we get into the stock down, someone that I thought who stock needs to go up in, despite kind of being a little belittled for his run game performance, um, Lucas Patrick. I thought he did a phenomenal job stepping up as the third center for this team. And yeah, maybe he isn't the best run blocker, whatever. I mean, that really didn't bother me too much. The fact that he was able to cleanly, aside from one that I saw, snap the ball to Aaron Rodgers, get it in his hands and protect him in the pass game. I mean, we have to give credit where credit is due. And for him to be able to step in from that guard position to center in the absence of Myers and with Elton Jenkins still being hurt. I mean, just the versatility of the linemen in this group. I mean, We've seen them challenged week in and week out with the injuries and just kind of throwing guys in different positions and they're playing out of position. So for Lucas Patrick to be able to step into that role, I mean, he played a couple games at center when Lindsay got hurt a few years ago. So he has minimal experience, but I mean, for him to be able to go in there and play basically a clean game, I think that, you know, people aren't super happy with his run blocking it is what it is. You know, he's not going to be perfect. Um, he's in a role that he's not as familiar with, but for him to be able to step up and, you know, do what he did, I think we have to give him praise for that. Yeah, for sure. And just one quick point off that, but you mentioned the versatility. I just think overall this entire Packers team, top to bottom, just of how versatile they are at every in every area, on both the offensive line, defensive line, and the secondary with the receiving. I mean, they've clearly, Goody, since the day he took over as GM, versatility has obviously been his number one focus. And not only has he followed through on doing that, whether it's through the draft or through free agent signings, we're seeing the results of it, and they've been damn good. When you have guys that could do multiple things, it just makes it that much harder for your opponent on every level, every single week. Yeah, I, I think that has to be one of the that has to be one of the major feathers in in Brian Gutekunst's cap is the way that he's uh, built out this this offensive line, especially. Real quick before we get to stock down um, for the Packers, some breaking NFL news. Are you? Yeah. This yeah. is wild. Yeah. Tom Pelissaro reporting that John Gruden is out as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, we all know, I mean, you know, for anyone who hasn't, I, I don't know exactly, like I didn't, you know, read a lot about these emails that came out from him in 2011, obviously said a lot of terrible things and things that you should never have said or even thought, but he did it and he put it out there and clearly it was strong enough for him to see that he needs to remove himself from the game 
you know, what, four years, four or five years into a 10 year contract, which that alone was absurd that he got a, a 10 year contract when you haven't coached him. Yeah, not, not, not coaching in, in over a decade and then getting a 10 year deal. I mean, doesn't get much more Raiders than that. But yeah, Dan, I mean, if you were going to say it, I kind of I was about to because I was just, <laughs> yeah, I just saw that flash across my screen. And I will not Urban, Meyer, Urban Meyer is probably thankful that John Gruden is kind of stepped up yeah. and uh, kind of taken about. over as the sleaziest coach of the week. And because <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, not not two, a good week for two different coaches. two different camp two different camps of sleazy. I think <laughs> yeah, that's in there. Neither um, one is a good one, but yeah, no, no, but uh, yeah, John John Gruden. Now, it just you could. Boy, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, if it wasn't the, you may not have called that it was the emails, but if you thought that this was going to end any way positive with John Gruden at the Raiders again in Las Vegas, you, you haven't been paying attention. (laughs) You're just not watching the same football as everyone else. Nobody's stock is lower than John Gruden's right now. (laughs) His stock right now is off the market to say the least. First, uh, the stock down. Let's let's talk about stock down for this Packers game. Um, I, I want to start with this one because I think it's a I think it's a very broad jumping off point that we can talk a lot about, and it's the the red zone offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are that's that's the gold zone, you know, and the Packers have been terrible on both sides of the ball this year. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't even, it didn't even register to me the defensive stat that they brought up like midway through the game on Sunday that they've given up, that they were like seven, I think they ended up 18 for 18 last uh, opponents drives into the red zone, scoring a touchdown. Like that's, that's not how this deep, I mean, granted, that's not old Joe Barry. Who knows? You know, who knows what makes that change? Like if that, you know, if that that new system gets changed or whatever. But still, like to have that hanging over your head, eighteen in a row like that. You, even if it's just this season, that's bad. If you just look at this season, it's bad to have that streak coming into that game. And and then on the offensive side again, like just so many frustrating play sequences in the red zone. You know, it just is it's baffling. The one that the one that absolutely threw me over the edge was in overtime. Devondre Campbell gets you an interception and you're inside the 20 yard line. You have and I'm not usually one to say this, but Okay, yeah, please bring this up. <laughs> you have Aaron bleeping Rogers and Devontae Adams having a career game. And you ran the ball twice up the middle and then elected to give Mason Crosby, who we're not ragging on him, but he wasn't having a good day. Or if he wasn't having a good day, the whole special t- kicking team wasn't playing well. And you relied on that. When you when you could just say, like, Aaron, you've got three shots to get us down there, get us close to see what happens. No, you ran the ball. That second and ten, they had nine guys up on the line of scrimmage. Like, it, they knew you were going to run the ball. 
do like I just want to see something more creative, and it's and we know that it's there because we saw it all last year, and it's just it's frustrating to keep seeing it now. I mean, is is creative kicking it on third down? No, like I I don't under I still you know little bit of stock down for Matt Lafleur there. Like, why are you kicking it on third down? Use your use all your drives. You don't get an award. You don't get an extra point because you. Decided I mean, not to use your like kick it on fourth down. I, under, I, I understand. I understand not doing doing it on third down there because in a in a normal situation with Mason Crosby, I feel because then you give yourself if there's a bumble snap, you can fall on it and and kick it on fourth down. I I understand his logic there, but the but it's the logic of giving Mason that shot or or relying on Mason at that point when you have Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I don't. I can't comprehend why, yeah, when you have the offense, you do. Devontae having a career-high day, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Jones and Dylan, and you have all these offensive weapons, and Mason Crosby, who is struggling, you're going to throw him out there to kick it on third down. I don't know. It just it was too, too bizarre of a sequence coming off of a huge interception from Campbell and then kind of just wasted that whole thing and then – back to defense you go so yeah I mean that was just it was a mess that I still can't understand why why it happened the way it did Janelle any what do you have a uh, a stock down on your list for us I do and I can't figure out how to word it as a stock down <laughs> because it's not it's not a player it's okay. a group of people revolving around a player the stock down in the Kevin King hate train. I can't do it anymore. You know, he, Kevin King goes out and he actually has a relatively, you know, it's a quiet day for Kevin King, which means it's a good day for Kevin King. When you don't hear his name, it's a good day for him. And I think Zach Cruz said he only allowed 17 yards. Uh, he had two shutdowns. I mean, obviously he got hurt, but the whole savage chase thing people immediately thinking it's king and i get like the mistake at first but you know when people are so locked into wanting to hate king that they just have their blinders on and they automatically assume any play like that is coming king and they take to twitter and start typing and it's just i i can't do it it's nauseating to me when i mean you're not getting any help from the crew covering yeah. the game who is like panning over to Kevin King. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just so frustrated with it. And I think it's a lot because I want to see Kevin King see, succeed so badly that when he actually goes out there and is doing his job and people are still mad at him. Like I saw tweets today where it was like, I think it was under that, that tweet from Zach Cruz where he's kind of like, this is Kevin King's day, and people are still like, but the NFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, Let it go. I can't do it anymore. You know, that's one game, and it's not like he's the only person who didn't do well in that game. You know, it's just the, the inability to forgive him and move on and just, you know, he plays for your team. You should want him to succeed. So I just, I can't do it anymore. You know, if he makes a bad play whatever but he he wasn't even out there doing anything wrong and he's still getting dragged on twitter and it's just it's so infuriating to me 
especially after a long, exhausting game like that, to see those kinds of things come out. And it's, you know, Kevin King, unfortunately, he gets hurt. He's actually in position to make a tackle, and he gets karate kicked and goes out with a shoulder injury. It's unfortunate, you know. He's actually out there doing his job, and he just has he just has horrible luck. And I just feel like there's so many who don't want to see him succeed, and I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> they will root for him to fail at every single corner. Whenever I, t- I could tweet something about Aaron Jones running the ball, and somehow I'll get a comment about Kevin King in, in some <laughs> negative fashion. Every day, there's someone in my mentions bringing up Kevin King for whatever, and, and rarely am I tweeting about Kevin King, and not that in a good or bad way. It's just I'm not tweeting about him that often, but he is brought up day in and day out, and it's like, are you a Packer fan? Yes or no. If it's yes, then you're a Kevin King fan. He's on your team. That's the bottom line. Has he been perfect throughout his career? No. The NFC Championship game happened? Yes. But that it's 2021. It's a new season. Why are you actively rooting against a player on the team that you supposedly root for? It drives me nuts. So I'm happy you brought that up, Jen. Yeah. Thank you, because I, I just can't. I it gives me such a headache. I, I'm like, I'm stumbling over my words because I just can't believe that people are so they, they want to see a player not succeed so bad. (laughs) I, I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if they necessarily want to see him do bad at this point. There's a, there's just a swath of Packer fans that treat him like a Jonah, you know? Yeah. You know, Oh, all these things are going bad. We can't get past the NFC Championship game. It's Kevin King's fault. And if we just got rid of Kevin King, that would alleviate all of our problems. And we would you know, fall into the grace, the graces of God once again, you know? And, like, that, that's just not how this works. And especially once, uh, once J.R. Alexander goes on IR, Kevin King becomes even more important yeah. to this team. Because look at you saw uh, Shamar Jean Charles is Jock is still at the five yard line of Paul Brown Stadium after oh, Joe God. Mixon you know planted him in the ground yeah, like it was <laughs> nothing and then wh- the other guy that you see out there getting uh, playing time is Isaac Yetta, the the guy from from New York so would you rather have Gene Charles or Inyato over Kevin King? Because it, or even just even it, take Kevin King out now it's Eric Stokes number one and who's number two, you know? Because Shannon Sullivan's yeah. been banged up, he can't be relied on, you know, every single week. So is it Eric Stokes and Yadam or Shamar Jean Charles? Like that, like you need him there for the depth. He's a veteran player, and he's at least he's at least an average player, above average player at best, you know. And I mean, there to, to sum it up, I calling my dad at halftime, who's who leads this group, Janelle, um, you know, complaining about another misplay from Kevin King, and I'm like, that wasn't King. Yeah, he's like, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Sent him, sent him the tweet of the dots, you know, the the dot plays that they show everything, and I'm like, you can see King is 20, 30 <laughs> yards away from this play. His response: I still don't like King. There is a swath of people that yeah. just want him gone. And I get I get thinking it's him at first because usually right. that's where right. he is in position. That's usually 
Like that's just usually how we play is. And I get, you know, maybe a zero and six kind of can look like, but it's like, once you realize it's savage, there's still per- people who are persistent. And they're like, well, you know, Kevin King's still a, B and yeah. C. Yeah. And they like, like, oh, my King would have done the same thing and missed it or something. Yeah. Like it's just like, and then Why it's like, if that, if that, that was King, they would have just, you know, Twitter would have crashed, but because it was savage, you know, all of a sudden it was like, Oh no, we're okay. So yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I want King to succeed so bad. And I feel, I feel genuinely sorry for him because he's trying. He really is. He goes out there as, you know, Jair gets hurt. And that's the whole, I think this is a lot of the reason why they brought him back because he's familiar depth for this DB room and this cornerback room. And, you know, he, he's not allowing big plays in a game where they have, you know, the Bengals have a solid wide receiver core in Higgins, Chase, and Boyd. So I thought he did great, and it's it just sucks to see people still angry about him on Twitter after he had a good game. Yeah. Um, we're getting close on time here, so um, do you guys – is there any others any others real quick that you want to hit on stock down? Because I've got two that we could kind of just – that aren't – Start big, but do you guys have any others that uh, that you want to touch on? I, I, I would think just you say got, you guys touched on mine. Go ahead, John. No, you guys basically touched on mine. Oh well, I was just going to say, beyond Mason Crosby, I don't know exactly who is the, who the personnel is, but whoever the hell is blocking yes. the right side. Oh of the yeah, that, that is one yeah, of mine. Your head. Off the right end, and we are inches, centimeters away from any kick being blocked. It's like I've never seen. You know, we, for years we talk about the kick coverage, the punt coverage, and now it's like you can't, you can't simply block for Mason Crosby to get a field goal off. I mean, we saw for San Francisco, the game winner was 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 a fingertip away from being blocked. So they need to figure out very quickly what the hell is going on on that kick team because you can't have free rub because. That's going to get into a kicker's head. Mason Crosby's pulling it left on all those kicks because he knows there's a free right. rusher coming off the right end. So they have to clean that up immediately. Yeah, I did forget that I I had that planted in my brain, I, but I I just got so <laughs> angry with the whole Kevin King thing. And I think you know when you can't figure out your blocking, but you're also not being efficient in the red zone, and you're relying on Mason Crosby to kick field goals. He had 13 of the 25 points. Mason Crosby had over half the points in that game. But you're also, you know, you're not efficient in the red zone, but you're also making it hard for your kicker to comfortably kick the ball because he's got somebody like finger, like a nail away every time that ball is basically going through these guys hands at the point at this point. And it's, you know, I am, you know, the one against Pittsburgh was it didn't look offsides to me. They just got really lucky with that call, but it's been close way too many times so yeah i think maybe that's something crosby has started to realize and somebody needs to fix it because it's going to get really ugly really fast and you're going to take out yeah you're going to take out one of your your best scorers in mason crosby if you can't figure out this blocking yeah uh the only other the only other um stock down that i had because i had the the kick coverage and it really special teams in general was was not good on yeah. Sunday, looking at you, Boho, with a thirty-yard punt. Um, the only other one, and this is this isn't really that big of a one, but the referees with tripping again—is this going to be all season long <laughs> with this with this bleeping tripping nonsense? Because that one could have 
It couldn't have been more obvious. That was like one of those, I'm going to see if I can get away with it. All right, cool, I can. Well, it's the, one that they, it's the one that they don't call on one side. And then the one that they do call, they look completely different. And just, I'm, I'm curious, like, I'm just wondering, like, it's, is this something that's becoming a thing now? Like, I, I don't, I watch a lot of the other stuff, but I'm only usually watching Red Zone, so I'm not catching all of it. But it's like, it's just weird that, like, the last three weeks now, we've had some really weird sequences with tripping when I, usually I don't think I've season without it. I can't remember a tripping call in any of the last, like, five seasons. No. And all of a sudden, three weeks in a row, there's either absurd ones called or blatant ones not being called. So I, it's weird, you know, the refs pick their favorite call and that's what, so it's going to be a tripping year guys just <laughs> it, it doesn't get called against Aaron Rodgers you stock can, up on tripping buy you low can, sell yeah. high. <laughs> you can trip Aaron Rodgers you can't trip anyone else exactly so watch out I, uh, for the Bears because I'm sure they're going to use that tactic <laughs> exactly I mean I, I think I put on Twitter saying that I've seen more tripping calls in the last three weeks in the last three years I I don't yeah. remember really in my life seeing very many tripping calls in the NFL. Yes, there are a few that stick out, but for three weeks in a row, there to be controversy over tripping calls is insane to me. And I, I said on an open book, and I'll say it here also, I mean, ref just officiating in general, I believe this year has just been awful. And you know what? I'm not going to just say it for the Packers. Jen mentioned it with the black pick versus Steelers. If I was a Steelers fan, I would be absolutely infuriated because bottom line, he probably was not off. I mean, it was as close yeah. as it could possibly be. But in my opinion, watching every angle, I don't think he was offsides. I just think he jumped that ball the best way you could physically could, and they called it offsides. And then the day, that was obviously a huge, huge play. We give up a block field goal touchdown. That's a 10-point swing. We could have easily lost that game. So just overall, NFL officiating, get it together, because we've seen year after year – teams lose in the playoffs due to officiating and at a certain point it's like when is it going to end when is a when is it you know i mean I, yes everyone's human and we, we don't want to slow down the game too much but you can't let refs and their terrible on time just you know uh live decisions decide things at a certain point penalty i don't know how you want to do it maybe in the final two minutes or certain penalties certain yardage whatever it is there needs to start being people getting away you know uh calls coming from people other than the refs because they've just been awful and look people are people are not gonna be perfect but it's been it's been beyond awful it's disgusting no well said eli (laughs) eli came in eli came in double double guns both barrels blazing yeah, yeah. I am literally like sweating right now. Like I'm actually <laughs> angry about this because it's, it bothers me. You know, teams work their ass off, yeah, and for some ref to go and cost them a potential game because no, I, look at last night, Sunday night. That yeah. game, that game was one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen. For how long? How long will the NFL sit by and watch their games being viewed by tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people? get get ruined because of a bad call at a certain point you need to say no we're going to the booth we're going to look at it from every possible angle i don't care if it slows it down i would rather sit for five minutes watching a review and getting it right 
than seeing a team lose a game because you guys don't want to slow down the game or you don't want to embarrass your own refs. The refs are embarrassing themselves anyway. Bam. I like it. That's, that's a great way to finish it. I like that. Um, I can't add anything else to that. Uh, guys, do you want to let people know where they can find you, where they can find all your stuff, and what you got to promote this week? You know? Yeah, so most of my stuff you can find on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. I do have my link tree link in my bio. That's where you'll be able to find all my pack a day, my uh, game on Wisconsin, open book stuff, my packer report stuff. I, yeah, if you like my content, good, because there's a lot of it out there right now. <laughs> so th- those are the main ones. I also do um, some stuff with Say It Again Network. So yeah, just click that link and that'll bring you to all of my nonsense. Eli? Yeah, I would, Jen, I wouldn't say it's, you know, nonsense, but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Jen obviously killing it in the content game right now. And um, you can find me and Jen and Zachary Jacobson every week on Open Book Wednesday nights, 845 Central. And you can find my writing at PackerReport.com and at FantasyPros.com. And again, I mean, any any content that I produce will go through my Twitter page at Book of Eli underscore NFL. So if you're lazy like me and just want to find it all in one place, just head to Twitter Book of Eli underscore NFL, and you'll find everything you need. Yeah, uh, you can find me at DK all the way on Twitter. It's where really all my uh, shenanigans go down. Um, you can find me every Wednesday night on Game on Wisconsin's YouTube channel with Lombardi's Bar, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. And uh, every Friday morning, my piece for Game on Wisconsin goes up the leap with uh, just weekend weekend week-long musings and and everything else pack-related. Um, guys, we will be back again in two weeks. We'll be talking about the game against the Washington football team, the team that uh, maybe got, uh, got a bit of a pass in the whole John Gruden email scandal as well, but we'll see how the rest of this plays out. Um, but until then, guys, enjoy Bears Hate Week. And uh, we will talk to you again. Until then, go Pat, go. Go Pat, go. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.